Welcome everyone to Just Crypto. My name is Vanessa and today we're going to talk all about governance, Cardano, Voltaire. Uh, we'll dive into the Cardano uh, improvement proposal 1694 and yeah, I'll share my thoughts on it. Um, I'll, I'll tell you uh, what I think and what I interpret by it. Um, and we'll go ahead and get started. But before we do, as we always do here on the show, um, I do have to give a disclaimer. So nothing here is financial advice. I am not a financial advisor. This is just YouTube. This is for education purposes. Uh, do your own research. Um, and so we're going to be talking about governance proposals. I'm going to pop up the uh, proposal we're talking about on the screen. You will see a link to this proposal in the description down below. So if you'd like to follow along as we go, uh, you know, please go ahead and do that as well. Um, also, if you are here in chat, uh, drop a hi. Let me know that you're here. I know this is kind of a uh, last minute uh, stream. So um, if you're watching afterwards, uh, also please uh, let, let me know. I'd love your thoughts, your comments. Uh, this is very much an evolving space. I uh, want to say hi to Sir Karen um, right at the start. Yes, it's great to have you along for, for the whole episode as well. Uh, and Brian, hey, hey, good to see that you're still in the Cardano world, uh, interested in all things Cardano. So what is the uh, SIP1694? Uh, you can see here, this is uh, the formal title, I guess, is an on-chain decentralized governance mechanism for Voltaire. So Voltaire being kind of the, the, the final phase of Cardano, where it moves to decentralized governance. You can see kind of the folks that have put this together. You've got Jared from IOHK, uh, Matthias from uh, the Cardano Foundation. You've got, you know, Kevin from IOHK, uh, Charles, who we know. Um, and then Samuel. So these look like the authors on this particular document. I um, also do want to say that, you know, as I'm giving my thoughts, it's, it's very easy for me to come here as, you know, someone on YouTube throwing out thoughts. Uh, I know that the folks who have worked hard on this have put a lot of thought into it. Um, so by no means are my comments here meant to denigrate anyone's work. Uh, this is just my uh, contribution to try and share my thoughts and kind of improve the process. You know, I'm a Cardano staker. I'm, a, you know, a very strong user of all the DeFi tools. So I care that we move into a governance system that uh, lets us have a bright future. And if we don't do that, I think we're all going to be in, in trouble. So it's, it's shared with, with that perspective. Um, you know, I did have a lot of folks telling me uh, I should go to the GitHub and I should add my comments there. Um, and I'm going to, I'm going to still give that a, a shot, but this is, you know, I'm seeing like all sorts of weird errors. Um, you know, if, if I scroll up here, I'm also seeing, uh, you, you know, lots of comments that can refer back to places in the document. Uh, and honestly, GitHub, I think is just a mess. <laughs> so, sorry, I know that's the tool that the team at IOHK has chosen for some of this. Um, I think strong feedback I would give is that if you're wanting to get broad, inclusive feedback from folks who are not engineers, as I think we will need more of as we move into governance, because we're going to tackle things from uh, you know, politics to product to marketing, all those sorts of things will, will come up as we, as we dig into it. Um, and so I, I strongly encourage looking at a model uh, that has a lot of this discussion pushed to forums. I think the Cosmos team does a pretty good job. You can see this is a Cosmos uh, hub forum uh, and a lot of their discussions. And some of them are very vibrant, right? We've got, um, you know, I think the, uh, one of the top ones recently was Prop 82. Uh, you can see that there were, you know, 150 some uh, comments on it. Uh, and, and a lot of discussion, you know, here as well as on social forums. And this is very accessible to everyone. Um, if you are in the Cardano world and you haven't seen Cosmos Governance, uh, I strongly, strongly encourage you to take a look. 
Um, I've got the link down below as well. This is MintScan, which you can see all the proposals on, uh, and you can see how they're ordering it, kind of the experience that people have coming in to vote. Um, you can see the quorums that they've set up. You can see the percentage of stake, how many people are actually voting in each of these, how votes are, are distributed between validators and users. And it just gives you a good sense. So if you're kind of grounding yourself in like, what does Cardano do? Uh, you should look to governance that is very active already and working uh, with, within the system. Not, not to say there's not going to be drama. <laughs> there is always drama. We are humans. This is going to be governance. Um, but the tools at least should support the kind of least amount of drama possible uh, through, through all of this. Um, so that's, that, that's kind of an introduction to everything. I think as we dig into uh, SIP1694, um, I think there's, there's really uh, four components that are, are worth considering. Um, so the four components that are mentioned in the document uh, that, that I understood from it was the first is a constitution. Uh, the constitution, and I'll um, scroll quickly to, yeah, Cardano constitution, is a text document that defines Cardano's shared values, guiding principles. Um, it's, I guess they're saying, meant to be an informal document that unambiguously captures Cardano's core values. Uh, you know, at some point in the future, they're thinking maybe that'll get enshrined as a smart contract. But for right now, it's this informal document. I think the big thing that, uh, you know, I would have a concern with here is that uh, a lot of what we talk about in SIP1694 is dependent on the Constitutional Committee, which we'll get into in a second, referencing the Cardano Constitution. The Cardano Constitution doesn't exist, as far as I could tell. It's yet to be written. So I feel like that's a strong interplay between those two uh, aspects of governance. And without actually having the Constitution, it's difficult to tell uh, you know, how broad or narrow particular powers would be um, in the Constitution. Um, a Constitution, I would think, would have to be something that was uh, very broadly agreed on, um, provided some specific set of core values that uh, was almost uncontroversial to, to folks. And we would all sort of agree that that's the case. You, you know, in, um, in, in the US, I think a constitutional convention re requires uh, some, some large majority of states, I think it's 66% um, to, to come together in order to be able to change a constitution, to create a constitutional amendment. And so that feels like the same sort of uh, bar that we would need to meet for any sort of Cardano constitution. Uh, that feels like a lot more of a difficult exercise than even this particular improvement proposal. So that's, you, you know, uh, one, uh, th that's one component of the SIP that is called out specifically as not a thing they're covering, but it very much impacts everything that's in here. Um, so that's something to bear in mind. Uh, the second uh, component of the SIP is a governance body. Now, the, the way they've uh, structured the governance body is that there are probably three different pieces of the governance body. There's a constitutional committee. Um, this constitutional committee is essentially is the same here, uh, a set of individuals or entities who are responsible for overseeing the governance actions. As we'll get into, they have fairly broad power. So that's one part of the governance body. Uh, the second part of the governance body, uh, see if I can find it here, is uh, SPOs, so stake pool operators. These are folks that you, you kind of know and love. These are the folks that you stake with. Um, they're part of the, uh, the one of the governance bodies as well. And then the final part, which is kind of a new concept that's introduced, is the delegated representatives. Um, so the delegated representatives uh, effectively act like a stake pool operator, but for your vote. So rather than running technical infrastructure, rather than producing blocks, uh, their, their job is essentially to uh, be a representative of the community, to uh, 
understand what's being proposed and to vote with some measure of you know, understanding and engagement with some of these proposals. Now, I, I'm very much a fan of a delegated representation model because I don't think that every single person uh, who's in the Cardano ecosystem, every staker, will necessarily have the time or the inclination to go into that level of depth. Uh, in, in fact, we just went through this the similar exercise on Kajira, which is a chain that um, I'm very much involved in. And, and you know, I'm actually uh, effectively a delegated representative for their uh, treasury you know, with eight other folks. And it was set up specifically because uh, you know, not every person has the, the, the time or the inclination to get into it. And so I think that's a model that, that is good. I know some folks have been pushing strongly for a direct democracy, but I do think introducing this DREP is a positive step. And I've got some caution, so I'll get into, into that as well. So, uh, you know, as you look at the uh, governance body, again, just to recap, we've got the Constitutional Committee. Um, these are the folks with very broad powers. Uh, we've got the um, stake pool operators, folks that we know and love. And then we've got this new role called a DREP. Now, um, let's let's start with the Constitutional Committee because I think this is probably where I have most of my concerns uh, with the with the different parts of the governance bodies. Uh, let me see if I can find it. Okay. Okay. So if, I'll read this to you. Um, and and actually, as as we're going, I think you know Brian brings up a good point here that uh, at least in Canada, the provinces have more power. Um, than the country. I think the same is supposed to be true in the US. Um, and yeah, it would be interesting to see how that diffusion of power uh, ultimately comes about. Um, I, I think checks and balances, diffusion of power is extremely valuable in any system that you're setting up. Uh, and so that's something that we should look to have. Um, let's, let's look at the uh, Constitutional Committee, because I think this is one where, uh, in my impression, it's overpowered. Um, so the initial Constitutional Committee will constitute the core members of a member-based organization dedicated to the development of Cardano. Um, so the way to interpret that is IOG, Cardano Foundation, um, and maybe a couple other you know, key community actors. Essentially, uh, these are the people who've been doing governance anyway. And um, let, let's talk about what, this, what power it has. Basically, this constitutional committee will have the power to veto almost any type of governance action. Um, so there's uh, multiple different types of governance actions that are talked about in this document. Um, they, apart from a vote of no confidence in the entire committee or uh, in a state of no confidence, the uh, ability to elect a, a new committee, those are the only two things that the... Uh, the Constitutional Committee does not have veto power over. Every single other action, they have veto power. So uh, adding a new uh, committee, they have veto power over that. Updating the Constitution, veto power. Hard fork initiation, veto power. Protocol parameter changes, veto power. Treasury withdrawal, veto power. So uh, what I'm, <laughs> the reason I'm kind of going step by step through that is just to impress upon you that the Constitutional Committee has a, an extremely large amount of power that will be populated by the entities that are currently in control, control of Cardano. Uh, so I personally do not believe that this is in any way decentralized governance. Uh, in fact, it almost enshrines the uh, power of these particular um, centralized entities into quote unquote decentralized governance and we can rubber stamp it and kind of move on. Um, so I think we should all be concerned about the level of power that the Constitutional Committee has. Now, I know as we uh, walk through this, that there are uh, particular, uh, I guess, ways that the um, 
constitutional committee can be voted out. Um, so there's, there's two actions here. You can take a vote of no confidence. Um, if you have a vote of no confidence, it requires the approval of not just the, the reps, but also the stake pool operators. So it's a very, very high bar in order to uh, put forward a vote of no confidence in the constitutional committee. Uh, effectively, there's no other way to change them. While, while there are provisions to change the, the constitutional committee um, without voting no confidence, uh, they can veto that. So effectively, the only way that the community can come and stand up is to have um, a majority of SPOs and a majority of delegated representatives all coming and voting no confidence. Honestly, the chance of that is very, very remote. It would have to be an extreme circumstance. And I'm not comfortable with uh, governance being enshrined um, continuously, except for an extreme circumstance. Like there's a reason that countries have elections on, uh, you know, some regular cadence that um, people have to go up for uh, to, to be elected. They have to run um, to, to get elected into office. And all of these uh, ensure that you don't have a Robert Mugabe that sits there for how many years until, you know, eventually he's too old to do anything. Um, so, yeah, I think Accelerate Profits, you've nailed it here. Constitutional Committee uh, needs some sort of term limit. It needs some way that it's uh, within the normal processes of the system that they can be replaced. Now, I do understand that we can't just go from centralized governance that we have today to fully decentralized elect random person off the street. Um, I think we need a, a smoother ramp, um, and I would love to see included in here, and maybe it's, you know, the initial four years. We have this, and we have a vote after four years or two years to, to um, allow some sort of smooth process. Um, and Isoma, yeah, no, thank you for, for agreeing as well here. Um, so that's my, my first point is constitutional committee seems to me to be overpowered uh, in, this, in this whole system. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm going to say <laughs> uh, uh, in, in my tweet series that's coming out in the second, um, I, I say, let's, let me not put too fine a point on it. Uh, SIP 1694 is set up such that IOG um, and the Cardano Foundation will effectively never lose control over Cardano outside of very extreme circumstances. So it's, it's not decentralized governance. Um, Eric, uh, welcome. <laughs> I feel like all we've been doing today is talking about uh, governance on Cardano. Um, so I'm doing my best to, to share uh, and, and to support. And uh, you know, thanks Rick and I had a great conversation this morning as well. Uh, you'll find it on Twitter. Um, I will also link it to uh, this particular um, video as well. So if you're interested in some of that conversation, uh, Rick tends to be a little more measured and thoughtful than me. I'm a little bit more uh, passionate and fiery in my thoughts. So it's a good balance. Okay, so we talked a bit about the Constitutional Committee. Um, let's let's see what else we can talk about here. Um, so I'm just going through my notes quickly. Um, and so the Constitution, as I talked about, is yet to be to be written. Uh, we, we do have this uh, idea that um, there are multiple parties who can participate in all of this. However, one party that is currently not able to participate is the independent ADA holders or stakers. So as I talked about the governing governance bodies, we've got the Constitutional Committee, talked a lot about that. We've got SPOs, we know them and love them. And we've got the Cardano DREPs, uh, which I think is a fantastic idea for, for governance. But specifically, 
uh, ADA stakers do not have a direct way to vote as the SIP is currently written. Now, there is a provision where it says that anyone can pay a deposit to become a DREP. The size of that deposit is yet unknown. Um, so I think, it, you know, if the deposit is small, we can have, you know, one, one character of conversation. If the deposit is large, and I would consider, uh, you know, three, four, five thousand ADA to be a large deposit. Um, it's, a, it's a meaningful sum for many in our community, especially as we talk a lot here about inclusive um, accountability, and we make sure that all regions have the ability to participate and we don't make the blockchain too big and don't require too much networking, we should have exactly the same focus on our governance. We shouldn't require people to be extremely wealthy in order to participate within the governance framework here. Um, so I, I would push strongly, you know, on the, on the order of uh, if this is the model that we're going with, it should be closer to 10 or 100 ADA, not 1,000 or 10,000 or 100,000 ADA. Um, I think everyone should be able to have a voice within the particular system. So that's one. Um, it, doesn't, it doesn't seem to account for the fact that independent uh, ADA holders who are staking can actually uh, you know, feel easily just vote their stake. I think the more concerning part here is even if there is a process to become a DREP, and even if it is accessible, call it 100 ADA. I think that's a reasonable, reasonably accessible uh, amount for even you know, people across the world. What happens if your DREP decides to vote in a way that you don't like for a particular controversial proposal? As I understand it is written right now, is that there is no way to kind of re-delegate your voting stake to someone else outside of that uh, proposal, and there is no way to override their vote. So effectively, if a controversial proposal comes up and your representative, your DREP, votes in a way that you don't like, there is nothing you can do about it. And I think that's bad. I'm going to talk about Cosmos again. Cosmos has this beautiful system where everyone who is staking Adam can override the vote of their delegator. Their system uses delegators. I think this is more advanced to use DREPs as well. I think that's more appropriate. Um, but they can override it. And I think that's an important piece that's missing in, SIP, uh, in the SIP that we're talking about is that uh, individual ADA stakers are not given a mechanism to override their DREP for a given particular vote. And so I think that's something that's important. We absolutely need it. Um, that, that I think, you know, as we, we talk about governance, I like to think about the balancing of the powers of all the different organizations and the balancing of the expertise. And at the end of the day, uh, as ADA stakers, we are the ones who are in control of the chain. It's our chain. It's a community chain. Um, uh, my understanding from reading through it and from conversations I've had, uh, Isama, is that there won't really be any barriers for you to be able to become a representative for your own wallets, apart from potentially the size of the ADA that you would need to, to pledge. Now, there's a question of whether you're pledging it and you're no longer getting rewards on it. Um, I, I'm not sure how all that's going to work. I think very much you need to have a system where uh, if you are kind of delegating your stake to, to kind of voting power, that you still also need to be able to, to stake it and earn rewards on it. It, it seems um, strange that we would split those two in a way that uh, we essentially reduce the security of the network by requiring you to unstake in order to stake to vote. So I'm hoping they'll figure that one out. Um, you know, it wasn't clear to me in the technical details of, of the SIP, um, but uh, that's not something I'm as concerned about because it seems like that would be the obvious thing to do was essentially allow that kind of dual staking model 
where you could stake both to an SPO from a technical perspective to produce blocks, as well as to a, a DREP from a governance perspective. Um, please let me know if you have any questions as well as we go along. Uh, so that's, you know, who gets to vote is uh, one set of concerning things uh, as well. Um, and I'm, you know, raising concerns here uh, because uh, I think, um, you know, there's a couple things I've mentioned that they've done well, but I think more important is to call out places where they could continue to improve. Um, so we talked about the threshold for DREPs uh, still being discussed. Um, uh, yeah, let me pull up the, the set of governance actions that they have now. So we talked through these. Um, I like this as the initial set of governance actions, in particular, the idea that we have hard fork initiation. Now, hard fork is really like that's the big kahuna, right? That's the one that lets you essentially change the entire blockchain. So the fact that we have that power given to governance is very important. That's a good thing. The fact that the Constitutional Committee is effectively the same folks who run it today is concerning. So, you know, six of one, half a dozen of the other, basically. Um, I'm not sure I fully understand your comment here, Accelerate Profits, about L2 individual holders should have a democratic vote. I'm not sure what the L2 um, individual holders mean. Um, there was a discussion about some of the potential technical limitations. This came up in the conversation I had with uh, Rick and Andrew earlier, uh, where there was a concern that you know too many people would be voting on chain, and therefore um, most of the transactions on chain would essentially be spent for governance. Um, I think we're overestimating how many individual people will participate. Um, so let's let's take a look at Cosmos and one of their initial you know fairly controversial proposals that got. Very high. I think it was like 75% of all stake voted. Now, Cosmos is slightly smaller than the Cardano network, so that's something as well to bear in mind. Um, the total number of votes from users, so we had, um, a, you know, I'm just going to quickly add this in my head. Uh, we're going to talk just less than 60,000 votes came through. Um, less than 60,000, and obviously the validators voted as well. Uh, but that doesn't seem like a lot. And, and they also have, you know, uh, millions of wallets uh, that have been created. So I, I doubt we'll get anywhere close to the 1.2 million uh, wallets that, that have staked ADA actually going ahead and and voting. I think we'll actually be lucky if we get on the order of 100,000 every epoch. Um, and generally, you know, with the setup that we have at DRAP, I think what people will do is they'll find someone who generally agrees with their perspectives, maybe vote on controversial topics, but largely like not participate unless it's really a big deal. Let's take a look at, uh, you know, kind of a more recent proposal that was a little less controversial, just to see how that one's going. And you can see it's got roughly half the number of votes that have come through. Um, so I really don't think that's going to be a problem from a technical perspective. I, I think we're over-designing here. We, we're thinking a little bit too hard from it. Okay, what else can we point out? So we talked a little bit here. The other thing that I really like um, is, well, they have this notion of AVST. Uh, let me pull up the definition here. Active voting stake, staking threshold. Um, this is basically quorum. So, you know, you think about uh, quorum, uh, you, you don't want to have, you know, 10 ADA voting on something and maybe six out of the 10 ADA uh, votes for it and, and a proposal goes through. That's kind of ridiculous. Uh, so the idea is that some meaningful percentage of active voting stake or quorum should have before a proposal goes through. And that's completely reasonable to me. Uh, the other thing I really like is that some of these proposals will have an SPO kind of fallback, uh, where if for whatever reason the delegated representatives don't, don't vote or don't reach the quorum, that you'll have a fallback and say like, okay, the SPOs get to vote. <clears throat> 
And to me, this introduces a level of resiliency into the government uh, governance uh, of the chain. Because you know what, what could happen, a failure case of the governance could be that uh, the delegated representatives just aren't voting enough to get anything through. And then the people actually running the technical network at that point, while their expertise may not be those particular governance proposals, they can pick up and carry on and ensure that things continue to move. So those are generally the folks who currently have the most invested from a financial perspective. Right? They've, they've bought hardware, they've set up networking things, they've devoted their time and their energy. Um, so having SPOs be a backstop, I think, is just a fantastic idea for the way all of this is working. Um, the voting mechanisms will include also yes, no, and abstain. Um, so un unlike Cosmos, which also includes this uh, no with veto concept, uh, this just currently proposed three options. Uh, I think those are fine. Um, the only concern I would have is that there doesn't seem to be a mechanism for uh, avoiding spam. Um, so it seems like anyone can propose something, they put a deposit down, and if the vote doesn't pass, they, they get the, the deposit back after a couple epochs. And so I think what that'll encourage is people just put all sorts of crap through. And so there needs to be some sort of uh, mechanism to... Uh, to prevent people from just spamming. Uh, it could look like some sort of slashing event if your thing doesn't get to a certain quorum or a certain number of yes votes, or it could look like Cosmos has, they have a specific uh, no and this is bad and you deserve to have your deposit slashed. Um, no with veto is what they use. So there's issues with that approach too, but I think it does bear in mind thinking about what does it look like to have some sort of spam protection for the governance, uh, governance process. Um, how will Conclave affect the SPOs and governance? Um, I don't actually know <laughs> too much about all of those particular proposals. So I'm sorry, uh, Isama, I can't answer that particular question. Um, so let me see if there's anything else. If there's anything else you'd like me to kind of cover and talk a little bit about, um, this document here, uh, there are a lot of to-dos still in it. So, you know, it does look like this is very much still a work in progress. Um, they do go into a little bit of technical detail in terms of how it will be done on chain as well. Um, I think, you know, from, from my perspective, that's not something I'm as deep into, like the specific technicalities. I think what we should be looking at more is what is the effect going to be from the governance system and how is that going to impact the community? And then make sure that whatever technical details uh, need to support those kind of requirements. Um, if you would like to go ahead and comment on this, now, there's apparently a way you can comment. Let me see if I can remember that. Uh, someone sent me a link, and so I have a link with comments, but for the life of me, I don't know how to get back there. Uh, that's why I'm doing a video and a tweet thread instead of commenting on it. Um, okay, let me just read through quickly, see if there's anything else I left out. Oh, something important to talk about is that uh, they aren't requiring specific digital identifiers for governance. And I think that's a very good thing. Um, I think, you know, to have uh, an, an environment where you're, you've got people in different regions, different jurisdictions, uh, not to require any sort of digital identifier is something that's very positive. It allows us to be this kind of fully decentralized chain. It allows us to continue pushing forward. Um, <laughs> GitHub tutorial above. Okay, I'm gonna have to, I mean, actually, I'm, I'm, I'm probably not gonna learn uh, GitHub. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, I would like governance to be accessible to everyone. I think we need to push to bring more people into governance. I think we need to make it more accessible to non-engineers um, by continuing to stick with GitHub. What it means is that only the very, very diligent folks who aren't engineers will ever have a voice in it. And we're gonna be excluding a large portion of the community. 
And I don't think that's the right way to do it. I know Charles is probably not going to be happy to have all these conversations ha happening on Twitter as, as they are want to do. Uh, but I think we need to build an alternative where conversations can happen without requiring you to take a 30 minute tutorial on how to use GitHub. So those are just my two cents. Um, I think that's my, my rough read of, okay. Rick's saying GitHub is only temporary. That's great. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to whatever the replacement is. Um, I do agree GitHub's a great place to track code and to track versioning of that code. And that's fantastic. Um, discussions may be a little bit less good. Um, yeah, mainly for posting. Cool. So if there's a, there's a formal forum of that and we can all participate, I think that would be, uh, you know, fantastic in this. Uh, the reason I, I haven't, you know, talked about any other SIPs except this on my channel? Uh, well, one is because there's been lots of SIPs before I really started doing this regularly. Uh, but two is, I think this is probably the most important one because it will affect the entire future of how everything gets done on Cardano. And so if we set up governance in a way that is faulty, uh, we need to be sure that uh, one, we're able to fix it. Um, and two, you know, the, the, the faultiness doesn't cause the entire chain to falter. Um, and so I think they have erred very strongly on the side of caution here by keeping a large amount of control in the existing entities. Uh, and I've called out against that. And I think that's that's something that we need to be cautious of. Um, but very much this, this governance to me doesn't seem like it's one that's going to fall over and harm the chain, um, at least, you know, initially. It seems more like there's longer term risks of centralization to me. Okay, cool. So maybe we're getting something like Lido Nation. Um, <clears throat> that'd be cool to have some sort of other governance one. You know, I very much encourage you to take a look at what uh, Cosmos teams, you know, Mars Protocol has it, Astroport has it. Uh, they've got a lot of great governance tools. Um, and, and I know there's going to be work that needs to be done. Uh, you know, ideally the governance shows up in everyone's wallet. So, you know, calling out on the wallet folks as well. Like that's a place to surface some of the, these governance conversations. Um, yeah, no, I think that's all I had for today. Um, so that's my review over it. I'll post a Twitter thread in a little bit. Um, thank you everyone for, for watching. Uh, if you do uh, want to like, subscribe, do all the YouTube things, that'd be great. Um, and also, you know, if you have questions, if you're watching it afterwards and you, you're not sure about something or you disagree with me, like I'm wrong often, <laughs> it's just, uh, you know, I think, I think we all are. We're learning. We're at the forefront of technology here on Web3. Uh, drop a comment below and, and let me know. And thank you everyone for showing up in chat. I really appreciate you. Hold the door. <laughs> yes, I've got I've got images from Game of Thrones coming to my mind uh, right now. Uh, Rick, thank you for uh, the kind words as well. Always appreciate you. Um, uh, yeah, and UX for Voltaire, personally, your biggest concern, so current. Absolutely. I mean, this will be the difference between us getting 40% participation and 7% participation. So thanks, everyone. Uh, enjoy the rest of your weekend, and I'll see you all later. Cheers.